Hey, what's going on? Welcome to Angular Air. I'm your host, Justin Schwarzenberger. And on today's episode, we are going to be talking XPlat. You'll learn all about it and uh, dig in. It should be pretty cool. So let's get this thing started. Uh, first, I'll introduce our panelists. Today, we've got uh, Mike Rocky joining us. Mike, what's going on? Not too much. I was a little confused with your pronunciation. Was that panelist or panelists? The STS kind of sounds confusing. It's just me, man. Yeah, you know, I left it open because I don't know. You know, we have one person that that's probably a guest, but maybe could be a panelist. So, I, yeah, I didn't. Really, I'm just kind of winging it. <laughs> nah, that's hey, all good. Call me out on that, though. I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm doing well, thank you. All right, cool. Thanks, Mike. All right, well, our uh, next panelist or guest, how do we want to swing it? Uh, whatever he can be, whatever he wants to be. Jeff Welpley, what's going on, Jeff? <laughs> Thanks, Justin. Uh, I'm doing fine. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, doing good. Very I'm happy. happy. I don't know. Yeah, I'm usually always happy. So, <laughs> well, I'm happy to be here as well. Awesome. We're stoked to have you. All right. Our guest today is Nathan Walker. Nathan, how's it going? Very, very well. Thank you for having me, everyone. Thank you for taking the time to chat about this topic. We're very excited to talk about. Yeah, we're looking forward to hearing about it. Uh, so, why not? Well, why don't you tell our viewers first a little bit about yourself? in case they don't know who you are or whatnot, what you got going on, stuff like that. And then we'll get into the topic. So I'm co-founder for InStudio. We are a development services company. Um, we particularly specialize in these cross-platform projects. Um, we do a lot of mobile development, um, web development, some backend development, um, and at times uh, some video and audio production, we hope more so even in the future. Um, so we're interested in a lot of different diverse things, um, but in particular, most of our work has been focused in um, these cross-platform projects and have always been, uh, as Stephen Fluin just mentioned recently, chasing the dream of this singular Angular code base. Nice. So, so, so XPlat, the X then is cross? Cross. Okay. Yeah. Cross-platform. So uh, if you're listening to this podcast today, hopefully you're somewhat curious and interested maybe to dispel some uh, things about XPlat or cross-plat, however you want to uh, refer to it. Um, cross-platform is really the idea of mixing different platforms together, um, having them all work uh, in concert and harmoniously together. So there's a little bit of history on XPlat, and maybe we should start there just briefly. Um, Jeff uh, can speak on this a bit. Him and I gave a talk at NGConf um, back in April. And when we had first gotten together, we wanted to try to take a lot of lessons that we had learned over the years of trying to make cross-platform projects work um, and scale. Go ahead, Mike. Uh, yeah, so uh, before you dive into the history, uh, just for people who may not be totally familiar who have only done web development, uh, can you explain what you mean by a platform? And so that people understand it, Okay, yeah, cross-platform, but what platforms are exactly are we talking about? It's a very good question. So cross-platform today obviously can get confusing because you, some people may think of web as a platform. They may not. They may think of it as a framework. Um, Angular is more so like a framework. Um, NativeScript, for instance, is a framework. Um, but it's also a platform you can develop apps in. And so there's really a... a, a I'd say a broad sense of platforms, if we're talking about platforms that can work with the Angular framework, um, NativeScript being one of those, Ionic being one of those. You could even consider React being one of those because you can certainly consume React components in Angular. Um, you could also think of Universal as a framework you can use within Angular. Um, they're more so per, uh, referred to as a platform because they have their own particulars um, related to them that are kind of in and of themselves. Um, it, Go ahead, Joe. I was going to mention it's, it's a container where your code is running. And there's actually a hierarchy of platforms, if you think about it, because you mentioned NativeScript or Ionic. And those are sort of higher level platforms. And obviously, there's lower level platforms that they abstract, uh, specifically you know, iOS or Android platforms. So with each level of the hierarchy and containers, there are certain features that are available specific to that container that may not be available in other containers. Um, so that's where it matters because when you're writing your code, sometimes you can write platform um, agnostic where it doesn't actually utilize any of the container specific uh, functionality or more often than not, you have to have at least a little bit of container specific functionality um, and that's where the trickiness comes in. 
Yeah, so I'd say the platform boundary is probably unique characteristics to a certain set of tools that are only available on that particular platform, if you will. Um, there are certain APIs and uh, characteristics that are only available on iOS, likewise for Android, likewise for Universal. Um, and so that's really the platform boundary we're talking about. So would uh, something like Electron fall into that as well? I mean, if we got something that's really like kind of rendering the browser, but rendering it in a desktop app, maybe there's not something specific to that. It's still qualified, would you say? Pre precisely. So Electron is a great example as well, because there are certain APIs you use in Electron, like the IPC, um, the render, the communication channel. Those things are only available in Electron. So that's another platform boundary. See, it's interesting with that explanation um, of what you consider to be a platform, because when I think of cross-platform, I think of uh, the destination or the execution of uh, essentially like either in a browser or on an Android device or on a iOS device. And that's very common. In fact, I'd say that's the common conception of that. When you're developing, when you're talking about platforms, it's slightly different because you're developing within a scope uh, in a certain uh, containment of APIs. And so the platform characteristics when you're developing are kind of different than the consumer platform. So as a consumer, I can consume an app you build on my TV. I could consume it on my laptop, on my mobile device, right? And those are somewhat different in the consumer space when you're looking at it from a consumer versus when you're looking at it from a developer. So XPlot is really meant to define platform characteristics from a developer standpoint. I like it, and I like that way of thinking about it. It's almost like, all right, you put your sales hat on, and it's all right, I'm talking about uh, specific devices or uh, execution environments or how I'm going to consume it, um, or you put your technical hat on and uh, continue with today's uh, podcast. Right, right, right. So developers, right, in their workspaces, we're not selling our workspaces to the public, right? So the way we view our code and the way we build projects is really very separated from the way a consumer may view certain terminology. So really XSplat is very much a developer tool. Uh, and also it's important to realize that XSplat, there's not much to it. Um, in fact, that's the goal. It is just NX. We are big fans of NX um, ever since last year, have always been super excited about it. It has solved tons of um, challenges that we've had over the years. It kind of culminates and uh, represents, I'd say, the dream and the desire that we've always wanted with a singular Angular code base. And, you know, hats off to the whole Norwal team and the continued uh, development effort on it. So it's really fantastic. And XSplat is meant to be a thin layer inside NX and to the best that it can not disrupt uh, any bit of NX. So it's more so developing just with a singular Angular code base using NX with its best practices. And then XSplat just provides a couple of things that we'll talk about. And it's it's really pretty minimal. It's not, it's not even a code, I would say. That's another important thing. XSplat is just tools. Um, so there's nothing uh, technology-wise about it. Um, it's really a set of patterns um, and tools that help uh, provide a consistency when you want to really grow a lot of cross-platform work. So what would then qualify somebody to decide and say, okay, I need to use this, right? Is it going to be that they have an application that they want to target at least two um, uh, environments, that sort of thing, or platforms? Absolutely. I'd say um, a common use case even for us in a lot of our client work is we have a client who has a web app and they also want to start doing something on mobile, but they, they actually don't want to do hybrid development. They, they want to do... Um, kind of full-blown iOS and Android development. And, and today, NativeScript is a great way to do that. Ionic's a great way to do that as well. Um, and so we want to be able to work with both of those. But we want it to be as um, minimal disruption to the workspace as possible. So to the extent that a client has already written a web app, and it's large, um, they already have an entire service architecture. Um, and they've done a good job architecting that and what we want to be able to do is drop these platform targets in and us be able to reutilize everything they've done to not waste time or money recreating or duplicating work that they've already done um, and then but then broaden their marketability to target uh, a potentially different uh, segment with their product I mean the one thing I would add is that it's not there's not much overhead to using NX 
it's not like you have to learn this new API and there's all this extra stuff you have to do. From a development standpoint, like you, there's not much extra time in using something like this. So you can actually have it as your default, even if you are only targeting one environment. And the reason why you would want to do that is because it allows you the ability to quickly expand from there as you start moving forward. And actually, there's a lot of like really good best practices kind of like baked into it that even help you out even when you stay on one platform, just in terms of how you separate your code into layers and that type of thing. Maybe let's segue and look at some of that. So um, I'll share my screen a moment, and we'll take a look at uh, a bit of what we're talking about here. Let's see. See if we can get the screen sharing here going. Do I need to initiate it from here, Justin? Yeah. I think okay. you need to hit the green icon or the square icon with the arrow and the All right. Let me let me know if let me know if you guys can see it. Yep. Okay. So from a high level, this triangle represents everything you almost need to know about XPlat, and that's it. <laughs> Libs, as far as NX goes, is probably gonna be your fattest layer. It's meant to be at the bottom. Um, XPlat is a thin layer that we insert just on the top. And then apps, of course, is the thin layer. So again, holding with a lot of NX uh, practices uh, and part of their design too is to keep the apps thin and build most of your feature work in libs. And so this is really what you want to think about mentally when you're working about X, uh, XPlat. The intention is that libs would be platform agnostic. The point of this is there's, there's a couple reasons. You want to have surface level clarity to the cross-platform additions. Um, because anyone who's worked in a large uh, cross-platform project uh, starts to become very overloaded. It's, it's a lot, it's a mental overload to start working through and wading through a lot of different platforms at once, especially in a monorepo like NX. And so the surface level clarity is important. And that's also why there's this XPlat layer. So there's a clear distinction between where your platform boundaries reside and where you can go. Um, the other point is to actually be able to en enable these developer modes, which I'll, I'll show in just a moment. So I'm going to back up here, and we're going to open Angular Console. And I'm going to actually open a workspace here that I just generated. So one of the first things that you want to do, again, with XPlat, you always want to start with NX. So you're just uh, working with NX. So if I were to create a workspace here, um, just your standard NX docs. Um, you could use all those options there to create your workspace. And then the next step, if you do want to interact with NX, is there's two ways right now. You could install the InStudio schematics into your dev uh, dependencies, and this will add the XPlat tools, or you can use ng-add. The difference is that ng-add is actually going to execute the XPlat generator by default. So when we add this, we'll actually get an error because the XPlat generator will require a prefix, and it usually wants to know what platforms you want to generate support for from the beginning. So we should see this error right here. Now, we require a prefix because we do generate one sample component in the XPlat structure, mainly just to show the direction uh, of the setup there. And so it's also intended to be used for all the other generators in XPlat. So they're common component directives, pipes, services, generators, all in XPlat. They're intended to work just like the ones from NX. The only difference is that they allow this platform's flag. And I'll show what that does. But that's the reason for this prefix flag is because when we auto-generate those components, we want to default to a prefix that you want to use. So for this, I'll just say ABC, for instance. And I'm also going to specify what platforms I want to support out of the box. Now, by default, with no platforms flag, it'll generate support for NativeScript and web. Um, you can generate platform support at any time. So we could specify NativeScript. We want web support. And we also want Ionic, for instance. This is right now the currently supported platform targets. So when we add this, this will install the tools. It's also going to generate a structure which is already ready to scale out of the box for NativeScript, Web, and Ionic all next to each other. So let's take a look at what we got. 
So right from the get-go, the only difference from a bare-bones NX setup and when you add XSplat is that we add this XSplat folder. And as I was talking about, this is a thin platform layer that lives above uh, libs. Inside libs, we drop a core structure here. Now the point is that this is to get you off running quickly. You do not have to adhere to this structure. It is your choice. Um, you could, probably in the future, we might have a skip or a minimal flag, much like NX does on their generators to where you could skip this if you want. There's a couple benefits with this structure though. And it's why we probably want to leave it as a safe default. Um, one thing is that the feature building and this differentiation between core level features. When you're talking about cross-platform, there really is a distinction between a core level service and something that is, say, a shared feature module. The reason is that, for instance, window is probably the best example. The window handling, when you start working in cross-platform areas, when you're, when you're approaching it from a web default approach, the window global is gonna cause you the most problems. Um, in any large team, when you're dealing with contractors, whether they be internal employees, and the code base grows, people get excited, they start using window global, sometimes just accidentally throughout the code base, and eventually you get these window globals all over the code base. It will cause you problems when you try to render that app in universal. It'll cause you problems when you try to render that app in native script, and it will generally always cause you problems. It can even cause you problems when you try to unit test your application. For this reason is why one of these core services that we give you out of the box is this Windows service. Um, there's a key part of its design, and that is that the Windows service is really a public API meant to mirror what the global window object is. But importantly, the platform window injectable that gets inserted in this service is actually what's swapped for the platform specific functionality. This is critical because we get a public API that we can use window as normal, it prevents us from running into cross-platform collisions with a global window, but it also allows us to work in all these different environments seamlessly. Because every time we configure this core module, and again, it's core because it is low level, it is fundamental, it is a must across every single app that we build in a cross-platform scope. Um, we can swap this platform window service with whatever platform specific functionality we want it to use under the hood. An example of this right out of the box is if we look in NativeScript, we have a core module here, which actually consumes the base level core module, and all we do is configure it for NativeScript. So if we look in the services here, we have a TNS window, which actually mirrors the window API, but under the hood, importantly, we use NativeScript APIs to actually spawn those dialogues. What's really powerful about this approach is that you could easily install all sorts of native APIs in NativeScript, for instance, and interact with a completely different modal dialogue system if you want. Um, this Windows service is key to that approach. One other thing that comes out of the box is this base integration of internationalization. For us, every time we build a cross-platform project, they're always international. In fact, these days, it's hard for me to even develop an app without a requirement of it being international. For that reason, we do provide that out of the box. Now, we, this is configured to work with NGX Translate right now. We are well aware that Angular has an international uh, uh, APIs inside the framework now, which are really exciting. There's been some issues getting those to work in NativeScript, which is why we're not using them yet. We want to try to provide an approach that is workable across all platforms in XPlat for right now. And as time moves on, as these APIs become available to use everywhere, we'll have ng updates uh, through XPlat that will allow you to automatically update all your cross-platform projects in a single workspace at once. And so eventually, maybe we will migrate to Angular's internationalization. Um, package there. Um, the other core service that we provide is a log service. It's really uh, uh, minimal. Its intent is to basically allow you to uh, funnel all your logs through here. As most know in large project developments, if you have console logs spread all throughout, there's really two ways to tackle that. Either you have it wrapped in build configurations or you configure your Webpack build to strip those out when you create production builds. Um, this is really meant to be versatile in the sense that you can flip a switch on different uh, levels of logs that you could get. 
uh, maybe you do want to do a production build with only the errors logging out. And so you could easily configure that here. Again, these are optional. You certainly can um, do away with these, um, but that is the minimal uh, bit that it gets you. The only other thing is this tokens in core. Because cross-platform development with Angular often involves using injection, um, I'm sorry, injection tokens, those injection tokens are, uh, there's all sorts of ways you could integrate those, um, but there's really a way that where you can make that simple. And a lot of times those platform tokens, especially when they're platform tokens, are really part of the low-level core piece that you want to deal with. And so this gives you a way forward where you can add as many platform tokens as you need to configure and set that up all throughout your cross-platform project. So okay. I have a question for you. Yeah. The, the thought process then on the core, would it be that these are like you mentioned, the lower level stuff that we would use cross-platform. Uh, would that be different from say us having like a shared lib where we have a service that's like business logic type of service, but we want to use it everywhere that's not platform uh, specific? Would we do? Would we set something up like that in like a shared lib, or would that go in core as well? In so a different lib, yeah. I, and actually, I wouldn't. I don't even know if there's a definitive um, angle on that. I'd say it's up to you. You could add it in core. You could add it as a separate lib. The point with the setup is that you can either uh, run and build and expand with this setup, or add uh, supporting libs beside it and have them all work together. The main fundamental principle is that to the best extent you can is to focus libs on being platform agnostic. Um, and the reason being is to try to keep this clean separation between the platform um, uh, APIs. The, the way I like to think about it is that <clears throat> you want to push the, the stuff that's in xplat is really at the kind of edge of your code, meaning that like you, it's good if you have like the fat part of your code, the business logic should be platform agnostic. I mean, at the end of the day, it's just JavaScript code and conditional statements or whatever custom logic you have. You should strive to make that as agnostic as you can and it to live in libs. So like your state management, for example, there's no reason why state management can't all live in libs for the most part. Um, but then you, there are, a variety of different things where you have to start tapping into the specifics of the platform when you're using local cache, for example, uh, local storage rather, or you like the alert box like uh, Nathan was showing. And so those are like really small though pieces at like the very edge of the functionality when you just need this thing right at the end. Like you would never want to have XPlat as kind of the driver of your, your, your logic that calls out to other um, shared, you know, generic libs. It's sort of the other way around that in the shared code, you have the bulk of your code, and then it's it's it just brings in the XPlat um, code as kind of overrides when you need some spe specific piece of platform specific uh, functionality. So, talking about platform specific functionality, let's take a look at Angular Console because there really could not be any better way to explore XPlat for sure, or any schematic for that. Uh, for that, for that reason, um, right inside here, we can see that every single command that we have available to us in schematics. Um, and for the in-studio schematics in XPlat, if I wanted to generate a native script app, I could simply choose app.nativescript. We'll call, actually, we'll call this ng-air. And we can see clearly here every single option there is to configure. One thing that's really nice with the native script option is to turn routing on. Um, most native script apps are going to need a routing config, so it's nice to generate um, routing to start with. And we can see that after we get this here, um, what's awesome about uh, Angular Console, and I love this, is that as you configure these commands, everything is run in dry run by default. So you see exactly what you're going to get before you generate it. Um, this is wonderful. So. This looks pretty good to me. I can see down in here that it actually would get a routing uh, configuration. So let's generate this. And now we have a native script app, and it's ready to go. And in fact, we could run this right now in iOS and Android, and it would work. And it's already pre-configured to work with everything in libs and our cross-platform. Let's also, while we're at it, let's generate a web app. So that's the standard app generator. This is um, just identical, really, to the one from NX. 
We're also going to call this one ng air. And let's see, do we want any options? I think we'll just generate it just a standard web app here. There we go. So we have a web app now, and we can see it also generated the integration test um, setup. This is what you're used to in NX. Um, you may notice that we're prefixing the app name with the platform uh, target. There's a really important uh, point that we do this. Um, we really, again, want that surface level clarity on the platforms. If you really start scaling out cross-platform work, you really want the clarity. This is something we've learned the hard way. Um, worked with teams doing cross-platform work when uh, we try to intermix different platforms, and you will get uh, overloaded, um, especially if you start doing um, unique characteristic things like special suffixes and that sort of thing, and it just can get confusing. And so you really want at all times for the clarity of the platform in which you're working on to be clear and present at all times. Um, the other benefit to doing this is it does allow these modes. So I, I'm going to show these modes in just a moment. But let me also, while I'm at it, I'm going to generate an Ionic app as well. So we're going to call this ng air. And let's go ahead and generate this. And do you happen to know offhand the versions for NativeScript and Ionic that are supported right now? So NativeScript is the latest and greatest 4.2. Ionic is also the latest and greatest. So this is actually configured for Capacitor, which is a really exciting technology that Ionic is expanding from Cordova. We're quite excited about it, and it's um, pretty fun to play with. So we have uh, a configuration in here specifically to work with their latest version of Capacitor. Um, right now, this is using the uh, 100 beta 3. In fact, they might be on beta 4. They are on beta 4. But this will get you beta 4 because we're using a, a carrot. Um, now, when we generate Ionic, we also drop some dependencies in the root. So let's take a look at the actual dependencies for Ionic that we have here. Um, so Angular, or I'm sorry, Ionic native cores at beta 14. And this should be the latest beta. <clears throat> Ionic Angular, um, beta 1, and then I think 1.0, uh, yeah, 1.06 now they're on. So that should pull down the latest versions of those. So again, these are apps. This is Ionic app, NativeScript app, web app, all configured to work with XPlot out of the box. It's already taken advantage of everything that's in the low-level agnostic libs here. So everything we just went over, the Windows service, all of these apps are configured to use them already. And we're already ready to generate components for these. So let's do that now. So if, go ahead. Really, and you mentioned that you can run this right away, right? Um, so how close are we to a point where we could, from here, take this Hello World and, and like push it out and actually run it on a different device or whatnot? You can, run it, you, can, you can run it right now. So yeah, in fact, we'll, we'll do that. So right after you generate the code, the only thing we don't do in our schematics at the moment and we probably will in the future, is we don't automatically run node in, or npm install. There's a node package install task that we could do in the schematic. We could automatically install that. We're not doing that right now because in a cross-platform project, there may be other dependencies you want to configure first. And we don't want to just automatically assume that we want to run that. There's also the skip install flag um, that NX uses. And we'll probably um, use that in the future as well. So for right now, You'd want to run npm i after everything is all set. The only thing this is going to do is it's going to add those root dependencies that were just added for all those platforms. So we added um, some Ionic dependencies. We added NativeScript dependencies. And then importantly, we also added a libs sass dependency. Now, this one is probably um, not the most intuitive out of the box. Those who haven't done a whole lot with sass you may know that there is a way that you can include a node module uh, SAS library through a shorthand, right? But it has to be installed through package and node modules to utilize that. Um, the alternative is, of course, you could consume SAS inside here if you use relative pathing, but nobody wants to do that. So <laughs> inside here, we actually have um, SAS files that are pre-configured um, for the whole workspace. So out of the box, we do uh, provide a scalable styling setup too, where you could define an entire set of variables that you use across your um, project. 
And these variables are used through every single project um, and app that is added in XPlat. And then because just like the diagram, the triangle, if you keep this in mind, always the flow is going libs up to XPlat up to apps. SAS is the same. So we have variables that flow up into XPlat here. Every single app is configured with a SAS configuration. And this is tags. In fact, this, this should actually be the workspace. We'll update this in the schematic. Ionic was just new. We just added this maybe a week and a half ago. And so I'll take a look at that right there. But inside of here, you can see that we insert the uh, core theme variables. And then we also import the workspace SAS index. So this is actually the libs SAS that's being imported. And the, we install the SAS locally via a package into the root node modules in order to use this shorthand. Um, so if we look in package, you'll see that here. That's right here. And there's currently an Angular CLI issue, Mike, that if you run ng-update, it will break if you have file references um, in there. So I've been looking forward to actually take a look at that issue. I'd love to help on that one. Um, but yeah, so this file reference gets added. This is what allows us to consume the root level SAS across all of our projects with a simple shorthand. I noticed that error too when I did an update, but, but if you just uh, manually update your stuff, uh, it works. Yeah. Yeah, the workaround right now um, for anyone listening is you can simply remove that, run ng-update, and then add it back. Um, so let's um, look at the rest of this uh, setup here. Web is kind of the same um, with the same thing. So we have the same SAS that's being consumed from the whole workspace here. And then we can override it. So at each level, you can provide the correct customizations all the way down to the apps. So the apps consume this, and they even have a setup inside each app to where you can override on each level exactly what you want to customize. So you could have a completely custom theme for one of these apps that builds on top of uh, the variable set that you already have and just uh, maybe modifies some colors or other characteristics. Um, but let's run this now. So um, we just installed from root. We'll run the web app now. I want to just say that that's really nice too that that comes out of the box. Um, it's something that I think a lot of people struggle with is how are you going to set up your styling and and work that within your repo and and your whole workspace and stuff like that. And so to have something that kind of out of the box has that guideline has some infrastructure already set up and you can just roll with it is a big time saver. And, and it, I was going to say it is really easy to change too. Like I I, I use less instead of SAS and it's slightly different setup. So like it's a good default to start off with. Like that covers most of your bases. But if you want to do something else, it's it's pretty easy to override. You can totally use less, and in fact, we may introduce a less flag to where that would swap to using less by default. Um, but yeah, this is totally uh, customizable, configurable. Um, can, actually, can you pull up real quick to one of your apps. Uh, it's one of the components to see if it's actually generating with this SAS uh, extension there as well. The components that we build out of the box do not use style URLs by default. Okay. Right so now. In line. Gotcha. Right, right. Um, we could, I, yeah. We, I, think, I think it's a smart default to be honest. Like, I don't know about you guys, but I, it's only a, a subset of my components that I actually have like a, a separate, you know, style sheet with. Um, so like, I think it's smart just to do it when you need it. Now, uh, Mike, this, this, we do have a SAS file here um, that's empty, that's generated, but this is not using style URLs. So we could probably configure them all to use style URLs, but let's talk about component level um, styles in a minute in terms of how it relates to cross-platform projects, because there's definitely some thoughts there. Um, so we ran the web app back here. It's your standard NPM start. By default, it's going to queue up, of course, the uh, web app that you have uh, set up in NX. And this is just a standard web app. It's really the standard NX template. And it just proves that XPlat is working, because this is actually a uh, translate pipe that is uh, doing the international translation on a key and just proving out that XPlat is wired up correctly and you have everything set. And we can just start developing out the web at this point and uh, continue along uh, the web path. We could also go into native script here. 
So uh, to run native script is npm run. It's always the action, and then the name of the platform that you want to run, and then the name of the app. And this is ng-air, and then it would be any extra. So with cross-platform work, sometimes you're dealing with even um, targets inside of those platforms. So obviously with native script, you can target iOS and Android. So we have that extra on the end. And this is meant to be part of the common pattern that's in the design doc. And it's meant to be infinitely scalable to where we could have NPM run start any platform that we may want to add in here. As I mentioned, React. Um, and then you would queue the app name and then any extra if there are any. Um, and in this case, you can see it follows the same naming convention. So ionic.ngair would be the name, nativescript.ngair, and that's intentional. Um, so if we run this right now, I'm not going to install all the dependencies because that will take just a moment. But we get this right here. And it's basically the same uh, bootstrap app that you would get from a native script app right from um, the get-go, which is um, just a standard uh, a home component or items component um, that is configured with routing uh, by default. Now, if we were to also run Ionic, I'm going to do the same thing over here. So the thing with Ionic is that you do want to prepare the environment for Ionic development. With Capacitor, you can either prepare it for iOS or you can prepare it for Android. Both of those preparation steps um, have quite a few dependencies to install. So rather than making you sit there and watch, um, this is the exact same workspace that we just generated. And I'm just going to run Ionic here. This is actually going to start up a live sync Ionic app. And we already are developing against Ionic here. And now, if I open this, and it's actually doing the Webpack build. And now we have Ionic here. So at this point, we can live sync develop against Ionic now. We can actually generate components specifically for Ionic. And we can start scaling out an Ionic app inside here, alongside having a team who also may be scaling out, say, a native script app. Um, maybe they're prototyping apps out. Uh, maybe they're trying different technology stacks out. The point is not so much that you would develop so much of these side by side. It's more so that you can. That's very cool. I got a question on the. Um running of those apps, uh, is that something that you may be able to take advantage of the architect and the build and the, and the serve that's within uh, the Angular CLI? Yes. You just do ng run and then the name of the app and maybe some flags? Yes, absolutely. So in fact, the architect uh, configuration here, I am uh, very hopeful in particular the native script we can configure and not use the Webpack uh, plugin so much that comes with uh, NativeScript Dev Webpack, for instance, but instead rely on um, kind of the Webpack configuration that we could add in and rely on this architect setup to actually run it there. Uh, I know there's been some discussions around that sort of thing. And um, again, some of the goal with XSplat is to provide a way to um, easily upgrade into those things. So if that becomes available and there's a way forward with doing that, we'll have an ng update and you can automatically update every single app in your workspace in one swoop. So even right now, when there are updates that come out, whether it's Ionic dependency updates or tweaks that are needed there to the configuration or to any native script apps, you can run anytime there's a release update on these schematics, you can run ng update in Studio Schematics, and it will automatically loop through every single project in your workspace and automatically update those dependencies. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, that's one of the cool things about the, the whole architect. I find now as that's in play, we can start getting smaller lists of NPM scripts that we need to run. Yes, 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 yes. That's pretty cool. So, so yeah. in fact, you bring up a great point because, yeah, obviously, as you uh, generate apps inside here, we're adding uh, a pattern of scripts here. So in the future, I'm with you, uh, Justin, on that, that I think what we'd like to do is have it expand on architect and instead of adding NPM scripts, migrate those to instead use those direct architect build commands. 
Um, let's see. So the other thing I do want to show just uh, a moment of is uh, probably the best thing to look at is, say, the component generator. Um, so this one is interesting in XSplat, mainly because it does generate components with cross-platform in mind all the time. So let's say we did want to generate a login component. And let's say this login component we want to generate uh, for native scripts. And we also want to generate it for the web. And why not? Because we have Ionic in here. We're going to generate for Ionic as well. Um, now, hey, can I pause you right there real quick? Yeah. Um, I believe that you can configure your schematics with options in there so that that can, in this Angular console, can become a dropdown. Oh, man. What? Well, that would be that would be is that something in the uh, JSON? Can I can I uh, talk with someone about that? Yeah, <laughs> I believe so. Because um, there's ones that it picks up right now that it will give you some stuff. I I, think, it, I, mean, I don't know. We'll find out tomorrow. We're gonna have an episode. In the next okay, time. okay. I'll, I'll have to watch tomorrow. I'll have to watch. Or, tomorrow. Does it support uh, multi-select? But wouldn't that be pretty cool to be able to just click on that? Oh, that'd be that'd be great. And I, actually, I have to say something right off the bat. To that point, um, just even last week, uh, one of our developers was working with a generator, and he was getting an error. And he was like, what's going on? And we looked at his command he was running, and he accidentally had one of those long dashes instead of a double dash on the argument. And it was failing, but it was not clear at all, right? Angular console, that will never happen to you because you're not typing the uh, dash dash on the arguments. It's doing it for you. So this is really just, this is how you want to interact with schematics, in my opinion, for sure. Um, so that being said, so these platforms here, yes, ideally we'll have a drop down right here. But we want to generate um, this component, and we want to scale it out. So we're 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 kind of a, we're a senior engineer in the organization. We're going to be a, a head off on a on a feature uh, uh, segment, and so we're going to create this login feature. But we're we're going to hand it off to the rest of the team uh, and let the rest of the team maybe work on some of the Ionic bits. But so we're going to go ahead and generate um, just the base of what we want to do with this component. And we know we want to build it for all these platforms. And we can see here, without running it, that interestingly, it creates a base component here in libs. And then we have a specific view decorated component for each platform. This is important. And this is actually the reason for each XSplat designation here, because each platform could have unique um, view decorations, which NativeScript does. Ionic has their own component library. And if you're working with Ionic, Ionic is installed in those apps. You're working with Ionic. You can't bring those back down and use them in a web project. And again, this is kind of hence why there is this platform separation. Um, so this gives us a view decoration ready to build and scale for Ionic, a view decoration for NativeScript, or I'm sorry, NativeScript here and for the web. Now, this base component, the reason behind this, and this is really an area of hot debate you, in, in software engineering in general. Um, I would say the idea of inheritance or composition over inheritance could send senior engineers over loop-de-loops all day long. The thing is, is that <laughs> inheritance, uh, from my opinion, is a great thing, but you have to use it wisely. Just like anything else, you don't want to go crazy with it. Um, some people do, and you'll have the temptation to do that. You want to use inheritance where it makes sense. Um, and you don't want to just drop everything in a base and think, oh, this is great. I can use this everywhere. That's not the right mentality uh, and not the right approach. Um, so these base components are automatically wired into every single one of these components. The intent for that is to give you an, a very scoped, well-scoped place that you could put some stuff that is shared between all those. It could be bindings. Very simple is inputs. All components usually are going to have inputs of some sort. Maybe they have outputs. Those are very common things that are used cross-platform without a hitch. And in fact, they're beneficial to use cross-platform without a hitch. You don't want to be maintaining one input named this way on this platform, and it named another way on another platform. Talk about a maintenance nightmare. This is exactly what we want to solve with this. And this is where inheritance can be benefited from. Now, it doesn't mean you have to go one way or the other. You can use composition over inheritance if you want. You could certainly generate a service. You can inject that service. You could use that as a way to share some of those properties back and forth. But there are lines to be drawn there. Um, some things just benefit with inheritance. Others don't. Um, play around with it and see what you like to use. Um, see how, how you like to interact with inheritance in that way. That being said, the last thing I'll say is that sometimes you don't want 
to create a base component. And that's the reason for this flag right here. Ignore base is actually going to ignore creating that base. And now we just have these components. Now, the cool thing is that these are already generated. They're already annotated to the index barrel. And they're also already added to the shared module, which is included in every single app. So you don't even have to do anything else at this point. It's going to generate a prefix component called abc-login, which is ready to use in every single cross-platform app in this workspace right now. Cue the claps. Yeah. <laughs> 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 we don't have sound effects, but if we did, yeah, that would be what would be going off right now. <laughs> it's very cool. Thanks, guys. I, I, the, I, I think without getting into to actually, you know what? Um, the the last thing I want to show here, and then we can talk about some of those. Um, we should probably touch on on the SAS maybe component level thing um, there, Jeff, because then Jeff and I have had some um, debates on that for sure. Um, so I'm, I'm going to generate this component. Let's see. Actually, I want this to be a login. Uh, the one thing I wanted to show, last thing I wanted to show, really. Um, okay, so we have this login component. It's ready to use across everything, but we've 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 now pushed this up to master. We've got our whole team working on this now, and so we say, hey, John, yeah, you ready to work on that login feature? Um, yeah, you know, you guys are working on that Ionic app for this, and so you go in here and you do login component, and oh my god, oh my god. So this this is this is terrible actually, um, and this this is actually the problem that we ran into a lot over the past two and a half years in doing these cross-platform projects. How can we manage the scale and complexity that these cross-platform projects grow into while yet still being really lasered in and focused? Now you might have eaten the perfect breakfast that morning. Your wife had kissed you just the right way, and your son said just the right thing to you that morning, and you could be just in one of those days where you are lasered, you, it doesn't matter. Nothing is bothering you. You can do this all day long. You know exactly what you're working on every single time. That is not every day, um, and it's rare at best. Um, so really what you want to be able to do is, is really isolate that down. So we're going to come in here, and we're just going to use this uh, generator for mode. And we're going to drop it just down to native script. And what that's going to do is it's going to allow us to just deal with native script. Now, this is huge um, because we may just be in that mode right now. We know all we need to work on is iOS. We got to deal with this feature. We don't care about anything else. Um, now wait, we may want to do What just happened here? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of wizardry is this? <laughs> No, so this this is it, it may seem like uh, it may seem like fancy stuff, but obviously it's very simple. Um, and it's really plays into the patterns. And it's really a lot of the reason why these patterns exist, because part of the goal is to enhance the developer focus. You don't want to have cross-platform tools unless you can actually work effectively in a cross-platform environment. So part of these tools is to really keep that developer focus honed in. So all we're doing when we run mode is we're actually scoping the entire workspace for just those target platforms. So you can actually see this in play live as we do this off to the side. So I'm going to actually go back to web mode. And you can see our entire workspace orients itself just for the web. Um, we can also go to just Ionic, for instance. Um, and then by default, if we have no flag at all, the default is full stack. And that's going to get you back to that perfect day uh, where you ate just the right perfect breakfast. And you're ready to work on everything all at once. So can you run one of those again, any of the specific ones, and take a look at the TS config so we can see what's going on there? Because obviously <laughs> it's updating the TS config. It, it's actually not updating the TS config. It is updating the VS Code settings. So we, we this is supported on VS Code only right now. We uh, can uh, bring support for WebStorm, for instance. Um, and in fact, even, uh, well, really, any IDE that someone puts a, a request in for will add support for. Um, but what's happening here is we're updating um, the workspace settings here. Actually, I'm sorry, it's the user settings. And we're flagging off all the apps and the XPlat targets to actually key into whatever platform we have scoped on. Um, and that's, that's what we're doing there. The tsconfig that's actually updating here, this might just be a line break. Let me see. Yeah, this is probably touch. I don't think this is actually modifying um, a setting here. This might be touching 
uh, a format even. I'll have, to, I'll have to look at that. But it's really the VS Code settings that's actually getting updated. Yeah, anytime you run those schematics, the uh, format script will run. And so maybe that format script caught that, and that's why it changed. It could be, yeah. could be a line break on there. Um, but yeah, that's all it is. It's just the workspace settings. Now, actually, uh, Mike, you bring up a good point. Um, in fact, we could update the TS config when we run those modes, and it could be beneficial to do so. Um, obviously, uh, as you have a large code base and a monorepo, you may want TSC to be as minimal in terms of what it's looking at um, inside the workspace, just for IntelliSense and that sort of thing. So it may benefit to scope even the TS config paths down to laser in on just those um, target platforms as well. So that's that's something we could explore and see if it actually does have an advantageous effect on uh, VS Code's performance. And just out of curiosity, did you consider updating just the workspace settings in case maybe in one project you want to work, focus on, say, NativeScript and another one in Ionic? Yeah, good question there. Um, so there was something with the workspace settings versus the user settings. And in fact, Possibly that the files were being added to the repository. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. There was that. That's actually the problem. If you update the workspace settings, most people do commit those to their projects, and we didn't want developers accidentally having to keep up with the modes they were lasered in on. And so we truly wanted it to be a user-focused thing. Eh, quick, get ignore. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, certainly, uh, <laughs> certainly. Um, maybe that could be an option uh, in the future. Yeah, that's very cool. Look forward to the WebStorm support. Yeah, so web, so yeah, actually, some of our guys use WebStorm as well. So yeah, that's been a, a request even internally. So that'll probably be the next one to come. Um, I, in fact, I, great, I great solution. I mean, because it, just like you bring up, I mean, these are things that the productivity um, stuff that we go through on a day to day basis as developers to try and solve those things with this tooling, and that's that's a great solution right there. Really appreciate it. I, I, you know, I really think um, Jeff. Uh, you know, this is really conversations back and forth with Jeff uh, from time to time, and certainly uh, quite an interesting two months prior to NG Comp as we really dug in uh, pretty deep, and uh, we're trying trying to uh, pull some creativity um, together. And talking about creativity, I will give a shout out to Burke Holland because Burke Holland, if you will contact me, I would like to do an interesting feature ad in VS Code that would color the entire workspace per mode and even add the platform logo up in the top right so it's even more clear what mode you're in. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> well, I just want to say thank you. I know that the two of you have put a lot of effort into cross-platform development in general, but to take that to the next level and put it into tooling um, that I'm sure you're using internally, but also to open source and uh, make it available to everyone else to make their lives easier to share your best practices that you've come across. So I wanted to say thank you on behalf of the community. Pre appreciate that, Mike. And uh, you know, I'd say anyone listening out there that has um, you know an opinion or uh, a different interesting idea or even a different take altogether, we welcome that for sure. We, we This is really an open conversation about how to utilize Angular best as a starting point, and NX, of course, being the vehicle um, to get there. And with those th two things combined, really, there's all sorts of ways um, you could go. So uh, really, the conversation is open. So speaking of that conversation, where would we go to initiate that conversation? Is there a website that uh, to start at? Do we want to start at the GitHub repo? Um, I know you have that design document open. I don't know if that's public or not. Uh, but where would one go to say, hey, I want to start doing cross-platform development, and I want to follow your best practices? That's a great question. Right now, the uh, XPlat repo is probably the best place to do that. You can start an issue there. Um, we might uh, start a different channel, but this is the best place right now. Um, this is where you can see kind of what we have queued up um, to work on. Um, interestingly, the React support, we do have plans to add React, uh, create React App Generator. Um, and also an XPlat React um, scope inside there. You certainly could have large segments of your team that are talented with React component building. You could certainly consume those inside Angular. Um, so yeah, it's, this is really about flexibility and keeping things open. And then, uh, you have a website for it as well? More from, is there docs? So, 
Um, in Studio XSplat is the setup guide. It is really uh, kind of just a one, two, three punch guide to get set up real quick. Um, the more helpful docs are the generators. These um, give all the options on the generators right now, um, as well as the options you can run for generating these apps. And so as new uh, app support is added and platform su support in here, these docs will be updated at the same time. And so you can always refer to these to see exactly what is currently supported, what those options are. And again, Angular Console, I couldn't stress enough how useful of a tool it is. Um, definitely the best way to explore any of the options you see in these docs. So I have a really quick question about um, this concept of, of using this, even if, say, I'm building a web app, but I have aspirations maybe down the road to cross-platform it, right? Um, and you show the way you can generate a component and you get this base component, then you get a component specific for that particular uh, platform. Um, I mean, is that, what do I do then at that point if I'm saying, okay, I just, I just want to keep building for web right now. Am I building in that web component? No, like separate those, right? Uh -huh. Not web, web, right? But you know what I'm saying? Like the, other than the base component, like would I just be living in those sort of components to be that building out my app? Yeah, again, a great question. So this comes down to what you foresee, um, what your feeling is, what your vibe is on where your project is going. I mean, if your intention is to build for the web and it is the web only, there's no need for this. Um, you don't need this. Now, if in the future, if you feel like you don't know uh, where the business team is going, maybe the business team's all over the place. Most of them are, by the way. Um, and entrepreneurs are all over the place too. So they wanna take advantage of all sorts of opportunities as they come up. And so sometimes you just don't know um, where the project direction is gonna go. Uh, of course, you're gonna build in web uh, at first. Web is a fantastic platform. So you definitely um, build that out. If you foresee that at some point it could angle somewhere else, if you're building an X plat from the start, you're gonna be able to add a platform direction with ease uh, at any point in time in the future. Yeah, because I think it's one of the harder things that we face as developers and, and architects is that decision of your repository, your workspace, like to get that thing started to allow you to have the best opportunity to scale and grow as it goes forward. You don't know where you might be going, but you do know that when you hit that point, it can become pretty challenging to yes. architect your workspace, your your workflow, everything that goes into it, the CI, the build, all of that stuff, right? And so it, it feels nice to be able to kind of think about that ahead of time, try and set yourself up for potential growth um, and still have the ability to just work as normal, even if you don't go down that path, right? That, that's correct. And actually, I'll say to that point, what you were just talking about, should I build that, you know, these web components and libs, if you're not building with XSplat from the start, maybe you're, you're generating things um, all over the place. That's really not so bad either. Um, so you're really not so boxed in there um, at that point. Even if you did have some web components that were down in libs, it's not going to essentially box you away um, from from growing out uh, in, in a direction and using XPlot to do so. Um, because you're still going to have uh, things imported where they need to be imported. And that's really what's important. Um, the, the main idea here is just that from a development standpoint and your team, you, you want to have some clarity between those directions. And that's really the point to just the structure. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you would be uh, in a worse place going uh, a different direction for a while and then adding it later. But the other thing, even if you just stick to the web only, like I was mentioning earlier, the advantage is, is that uh, I like we'll create uh, several different web apps, but because it has the XPlat layering involved, then you can have the components that are in their own section and like some of those layers are reused anyways. So like just the idea of, of having this kind of separation of small apps and components in their own section and, and things in the sort of layout that the way that Nathan put it has a lot of advantage just even for the web by itself, it, it, at least with the way that I've been uh, building it. And it's, we've seen kind of huge advantages from that. Well, yeah. well one last point I want to make on uh, duplication, and, and this is really something that's um, important too, and I know we're coming up on the hour here, so um, we'll have to close here. 
But um, I used to think for a long time with cross-platform and sharing code that you wanted zero duplication. This was really just something that I thought was always um, beneficial. My opinion on that has really changed over time. And, and I think it comes down to teams working together uh, efficiently. And the thing is, is that you do want little duplication, but having zero duplication is not always so great. You, re you really want is clarity. Um, and so XPLAT, even though there's a component for register and it's inside web and it's specific to web, and there's one inside NativeScript and it's specific to NativeScript, it's the clarity and the feeling of like you're just working with Angular one-to-one. -one. You can open a component and work with that one component. Um, as far as dealing with duplication, that's where we take advantage of some inheritance or, again, composition over inheritance. Either way, that's where you uh, minimize the duplication and enhance the maintenance into the future. Yeah, and just the, the last thing I'll add is that if you don't want to go down the inheritance route, because I'm, I'm on the other side than Nathan on this, um, the alternative actually, uh, uh, what's his face uh, put out of, and now I'm forgetting it, but there was a great blog post this past week uh, using facades on top of your state pattern library. And basically, I use something like that as the alternative, as the way of composing your common functionality in kind of one area. Nice. Very nice. All right, well, we're at the top of the hour, so I guess we'll wrap it up. This has been very informative. Pretty stoked about uh, learning all about XPlat and um, a lot of power in there. A lot of, uh, I really like the all the um, standards and patterns that it sets up. You know, again, same time of thing, like you mentioned with NX doing the same thing. Now, this is that next level of doing really the similar approach as well, bringing all that tooling, but then also these patterns and practices that. You know, we don't have to think about it as developers. We can just get in there and, and start using. Know they're going to be effective, follow and succeed. Very cool. And it's just NX. NX and Norwal want to focus on the best of Angular tooling, and everyone wants them to stay focused on that because it's amazing. Um, and so the one thing I'll say is that us here at Instudio, we really are dedicated to this, and uh, to the extent that we can augment and just fill those holes and those gaps in as minimal as way is really what we're focused on here. What's cool about that is like, that's the same in the same vein as NX, right? NX is just empowering, you know, and bringing the tooling to the Angular CLI, right? So same sort of deal, like you're not, I, I find that we talk a lot about it, like NX and people ask, well, I don't know if I want to buy into that or whatnot, right? And it's kind of like, okay, it's just setting things up. I mean, there's nothing really, there's not really like a hard buy-in in terms of you think, yeah, I'm going to go with this vendor or that vendor, right? Right. These patterns that set you up for success and under the hood, it's really just the Angular CLI driving all of this. And it's just configured in a way that that are these patterns that we've you know identified as things we end up doing anyways, right? And how can we be more successful with those things? But at any given moment, you haven't bought into a vendor-specific thing with this stuff. You're just going with these patterns. Precisely. Couldn't have put it better myself. That's exactly it. Justin, really, I appreciate the time. Um, Mike, thanks for joining us there earlier. And anyone listening, thank you so much for listening. And um, feel free to get involved in the conversation anytime. Awesome. Awesome. Well, is there anything else? Anybody, anything else you want to plug or any picks or anything anybody wants to say before we close? close up? I, I, I've got a couple of quick ones. Um, I'm speaking in October at JS MobileConf in Boston. Uh, Nathan, were you going to be there for that one? I am having a baby, per, per, oh, yeah. perhaps, okay. perhaps yes, precisely yeah. on that date. <laughs> so, um, so you are busy, yes. <laughs> but I will bid you all well. We, um, a number of our members and partners are going to be there. We'll have a booth there. We are sponsoring that event. So um, we'll, they will see you there. <laughs> it, it is only $130 for two days of like really great content. And I, I will tell you that the single best time of the year in Boston is like mid-October then. Like the leaves are turning. It's like an amazing time to be around the city. Um, so if you were ever thinking about going, you're ever interested in uh, a mobile conference, definitely check this out at jsmobileconf.com. Uh, and then another the last thing is that um, we've been uh, working with, a, I've been working with a lot of other uh, small startups lately. And one that uh, I've been working with more recently that's been doing really well is this company, uh, Vendorsmith, uh, vendorsmith.com. Uh, basically helps people with uh, setting up private, negotiating private deals with AWS and Google Cloud. Um, that basically, basically, if you're spending more than like 5,000, 10,000 a month, so like, uh, you know, a, a pretty decent amount, but not like 
doesn't have to be crazy. Um, we can help you save a lot of money. Like it, it's kind of uh, really great what what they've been able to uh, do, uh, especially the past like three months of it, as they've been kind of figuring things out um, on both sides. So uh, definitely check them out at vendorsmith.com. Awesome, thank you, Jeff. Nathan, anything else you want to add? I was going to plug JS Mobile Conf as well in Boston. It will be uh, pretty amazing. And out in the future, you can never plan early enough for NG Atlanta coming again at the end of January. Keep it on your calendars. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Well, Nathan, Jeff, thank you so much for coming on, taking your time, sharing this stuff with us. We really appreciate it. I uh, appreciate your time. So thank you. Thank you, Justin, very much. Take care, guys. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you. All right. See ya. Later. <laughs>